There is a huge need for leadership now more than ever. This is a core focus for Empowered in My Skin, and we will be leveraging every opportunity to push out content that will help develop and cultivate the leadership spirit in as many people as possible. One billion humans is our number. In a four-part series, we will cover four key emerging leadership skills with John Collinson. John is a favorite on our podcast with well over 26 years of experience in leadership. He has a vault of information that he is generously opening up about to help you, the listener, strengthen your unique leadership toolkit. Every episode in this series is geared towards helping you, the seasoned, developing, or emerging leader, strengthen your potential, ability, and aspiration for higher levels of impact and influence. Today, we're getting into the skill adapting to constant change. And this is a skill that requires flexible leadership. You know, adapting to change requires, you know, some give and take between the leader and those experiencing the change. You're going to see a leader without emotional flexibility be one that is dismissive of others' concerns and emotions and really just shuts down the discussion. And then in contrast, an emotionally adaptive leader is going to be one who moves the change or agenda forward. Okay, here we go, John. I'm so excited. And to all the listeners, we are back with episode number three of the series. Um, we cover technology, intelligence, and emotional intelligence. And now we're going to get into adaptability to constant change. And so, John, I'm excited about this because with 26 years of like grow, like massive experience, we'd love to really get some insights to you as to how we can really move and thrive through change. So my first question to you is obviously for all the listeners, for myself is how, what does it mean to you? Like what does adaptability mean to you as a leader? And the second part, part B of that question. And and why do you believe it's important? Adaptability for me as a leader is, I think it's one of those core skill sets. Uh, you know, I often talk about three skills, you know, that I, I look for when I'm hiring people around communication, versatility, and ability to solve non-trivial problems. But that versatility one really links to adaptability as well. It, it, right? You know, if we as leaders can only do things, you know, one way with one approach or only solve one problem, um, you know, our our value to the team and frankly, the value to the organizations that we're enabling um, gets significantly reduced. Right. And so, um, you know, our job as leaders is to recognize when we need to be adaptable and help mm-hmm. the team adapt to really what is a continuous stream of change. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you talked at the introduction about, you know, 26 years of experience. I think about it more through 51 years of experience right. because, mm-hmm. Um, your your experience of learning to adapt is is deeper than just your professional experience. It's it's really a it's a human experience, right? We all have to deal with change. If we think about, you know, even if we take the workplace out of the last two and a half years and just look at how we've all had to adapt to change in our personal lives, you know, working at home, not seeing a family. Uh, you know, being stuck in a bubble with five or six other people and saying these are the only people you can see in proximity for two years. Like it's, you know, we've all had to go through that adaptation. We adapt all the way through our lives, right? We, uh, you know, we adapt to, um, you know, to, to in schooling contexts. We adapt in uh, professional contexts. 
we adapt as we go through life events, right? So, you know, being a, a child versus being a teenager trying to figure out relationships through, you know, finally potentially sitting down and getting married and then becoming a parent and then potentially losing a parent, like everywhere through our lives in the course of however many years we're all blessed with living on this earth, we adapt, right? And so how we learn how to adapt, in my mind, as leaders professionally, is somewhat underpinned by our experiences as humans, mm. you know, throughout life. And and so to me, that part's important because it helps us then connect with our team, connect mm. with the people that we're collaborating with. Because if we approach how we think about adapting and supporting constant change as humans rather than as just professional workers, that relates a lot better with the teams that we're enabling mm-hmm. right? and empowering mm-hmm. to get to get to be successful in that change. And if you think just throughout life, do you believe that um, it's become even more important or do you feel there's really no difference between, you know, how everything around us is changing? Like you named, like, I love how you kind of just brought this to a human experience, right? Versus just it being career related. But over the last couple of years or two and a half years, people have been really forced into into massive changes that they may never have experienced before. So do you, what, what are your thoughts around whether it's even more important for us to really um, get a hold of this skill in our, in, our rep, in our toolkit versus, you know, maybe pre-pandemic? I'll probably go back even further than pre-pandemic. I think the, 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 the importance of this skill in our toolkit is has significantly increased, at least in my lifetime, right? And and a lot of that goes to the pace of change has accelerated and continues to accelerate because technology has accelerated it, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, if you know, if you reflect back to, I don't know how many of you have ever read the book, uh, uh, The Medium is the Message by Marshall McLuhan. He's a University of T- Toronto professor, wrote it, I think, in the 70s. And it talks about how, uh, you know, how things are communicated, um, you know, the invention of the printing press, the invention of, you know, radio and tele and how the speed at which we gain new information is part of the, it's not just the message that's communicated, it's part of the message, right? And that's continuing through, you know, the journey we're on with, you know, the advent of computers and email and the internet and, you know, your cell phone and, and instant forms of communication now, we have to adapt almost instantly every day, mm-hmm. right? And and so, you know, it becomes important as us as leaders to get comfortable with that, not because we're necessarily doing big radical transformational change, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes it's just a matter of decision-making happens at such a faster pace now than it did, you know, you know, when my father was starting his career, or my, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, back then memos were passed in funny brown envelopes with little strings on them, and you take two, three, mm-hmm. two or three days for the message to get to you. Mm-hmm. And now you've barely had time to read the message on Teams before the next message on Teams that contradicts that message shows mm-hmm. up. And so, you know, a you as a leader have to go through the change life cycle very quickly to mm-hmm. decide which you know, how do I interpret this. Mm-hmm. And 
and then you know you may have to work with your team on that and i think embracing that skill set and understanding that skill set is important because we have to learn how to um recognize which triggers mm-hmm. we're going to respond to and which ones we're not at the pace we're at now which you know i would say in the past we probably had more time to think about it right so and okay. yeah go ahead no, I was going to say, so with everything that you explained and the fact that change is so rapid, so awesome, so constant, so much evolving, and, you know, I, I'll say this, but it's clear that some people, especially in some leaders too, don't mm-hmm. adapt well. And what do you believe are some of the, like, from your, from your experience, what are some of those, you know, key observations that you've had as to why you think people don't adapt as easy or as, 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 um, as fluid as they should. What, 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 like what trips us I up? Think like, part of it is personal. Yeah. It goes back to the introduction comment, right? It's, you know, how much change have they been through in the first place? Right. Um, you know, if you're, if you, if you've had a significant amount of change in your, in your life, um, you know, use me as the example. I, I was at, I attended 10 schools in the first 13 years of my you know, formal schooling. Right. Um, not everybody, you know, my wife went to two. Right. So you know, right there we have a difference because I had to make new friends. I had to get used to new teachers. Um, you know, I moved from the Western part of Canada back to Ontario in Western Canada. They don't teach French. So suddenly I was in the second grade and suddenly was taking French class and I'd never spoken French in my life. And I was a year and a half behind. Right. So, you know, how you adapt and, and, and in certain situations, it's, it's like mess much of the things in our career um, and, and our professional experience. It comes through the, the foundational experiences you've had around how well you do at certain things. We're not all good at everything, right? Um, at least I'm certainly not. And, um, you know, so, so, you know, building that foundation and recognizing and, and, and having different people behave in different ways in a change situation is really up to that particular leader recognizing their own strengths and weaknesses and, and being prepared to think, you know, about how they approach it mm-hmm. in their own context. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's why we don't necessarily put all the same leaders in the same roles that mm-hmm. certain types of change are occurring. Right. Mm-hmm. And so what would be, and it's so funny because we're off, we're off question script a bit because I, I'm liking where the conversation is going. Um, I was going to make a comment, something that came to me, to my mind quickly is I've learned, you know, I, I, I do pride myself, I, I think, um, especially with my athletic um, background that I, you know, I would say that I'm more like, I like to, I love change and I try to really um, allow myself to be fluid when it comes, like not to, not to, um, not to fight against it, not to resist it, but to really allow it, you know, understand it and mm-hmm. allow it through. But I, what came to mind is we, we often look at what we stand to lose versus what we stand to gain. That's true. That's true. Well, and that, that's consistent with the change life cycle, right? I don't know if mm-hmm. you're familiar with the change life cycle, and I'm not going to quote it directly because I can't remember all the steps. I know there's four, but you know, one of those steps is you, know, you have to personally, <laughs> before you can help your team, you have to take yourself through the change life cycle on your own to be ready to then help the team. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and one of those steps in there is just about that, you know, that whole concept of, you know, 
understanding, reflecting, digesting, and then you know being ready to finally move forward and actually embrace and mm-hmm. and, and engage in the new model or whatever mm-hmm. it happens to be, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, and I'm not a change expert professionally, uh, so I, I you know I won't quote the academic stuff because I know I don't have it memorized, um, but you know that principle is there, and and so different people go through that life cycle in different ways. Yeah. Right. And it'll depend on the type of change, the mm-hmm. pandemic, you know, everybody going home from the office for two years mm-hmm. is a different type of change than, uh, you know, than a change in, um, you know, organizational structure mm-hmm. or business models mm-hmm. or leadership changes where now, you know, you or I as a, as a member of a team have a new boss, Right. You know, that's a very different change than, you know, that boss being constant and we're changing the makeup of the team, right? So, you know, you have to take the time to, A, internalize it yourself and then, B, formulate your plan for how you're going to help the team through the journey because um, it, it really does need to be mindful yeah. and planned, right? Yeah. It's, it's not an instant, um, you know, in most cases – changes are complex and they're not instant moments but um that pace of planning is different from person to person based on how you know have they done something like this before can they therefore very quickly move into that moment versus this is completely new and they need more time to think and Mm -hmm. be planful and think about how the team is going to react yeah so that but what i want to ask you now is in those moments where you don't actually have that runway and the change is happening and it's pretty quick. And I'm going to, I think everyone that's listening here is we, was we use the term leader. It's not necessarily always, it's not a title, right? Like, so but yeah. in this particular case, let's just say it is someone who has sort of a title as a leader and has to, and has to figure this out and lead their team. What do we do? Like, what are some of the tactics or strategies that those leaders at, a, at the rate of pace is so fast, they can't really absorb it and sort of do that personal excavation to really understand, okay, how, you know, how am I going through this? And, and they have to step into that position of leadership. What are some tactics or strategies that uh, you can suggest through your, from your experience? Um. Time is a factor, as you talked about. So let's say it's an urgent one. It doesn't mean you still shouldn't take the time to go through the steps. You just may need to accelerate them, Mm -hmm. right? And so taking the time, you know, and then, you know, I'll use the team's message, contradicting the other team's message as an example, right? Don't necessarily react to the first message or the first direction. You know, you may need a few minutes to say, is this real? Right, or double, you know, go talk to somebody else and go. Is the direction I just received actually the change? Because, um, you know, I'll use I'll use an example. Um, two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, right uh, when Queen Elizabeth passed away, at one point in time, there was a thought process that, uh, well, the government announced that that uh, September the nineteenth was going to be a federal holiday, right? And then as, you know, and, and we started reacting to that, figuring out, okay, how could, we, you know, I've got six days. How do I make the systems believe that that thing, you know, that the 19th of September is going to be a federal holiday? Well, as we started to refine into that, then there was guidance that came out later that said, well, hold on. We can't actually make that change that fast safely. 
we're actually going to operate on that day. Right. So by, you know, by, by, you know, initial reaction was we're already sitting there trying to figure out the analysis of shit. Someone's going to come ask me this. Right. And, um, I'm going to need to have a solution to figure out how to operate as a holiday on the 19th of September. But within a few hours, it became, no, we're not making that change. Yes. The government made that announcement. You know, yes, we will, uh, you know, take the time to honor and reflect the queen. But, you know, if so, you know, but reacting to that moment and actually going and changing the systems, right. Mm -hmm. Isn't going to be what's done because there's too much risk associated to it. So, you know, sometimes, the initial information you get about a change, you need to take time to understand more and more and peel the layers of the onion and come back and go, yeah, we're not actually doing that. Mm -hmm. Or how we are going to approach the solution is going to be different mm -hmm. as we gain more information. So as you're thinking about how do you lead a team then in that context, you may keep it to a smaller group initially, mm -hmm. do your initial due diligence, get your initial plan, and then expand the sphere as you go to then, okay, now we have good information. Now we can communicate with quality mm -hmm. and, and therefore create a positive experience for, for those involved mm -hmm. so that, uh, you know, they can feel comfortable with the change because the leaders have taken the yeah. time to feel comfortable with the change. Mm -hmm. Right. Whereas if you come in with something radical and there's a sense from the team that you don't really understand the change or potentially even believe in the change, makes it a lot harder to have the buy-in from the team to mm. accomplish the change. Mm -hmm. So I think the first one is just pause, understand, digest, right. And get to know it. Right. I like that. Pause. Um, yeah. I think this, the second one is don't be surprised by change. Uh, you know, I often joke that the number one constant in the organization <laughs> I work for is change. Right. You know, it's, it's the most predictable thing. So as a leader, I'm always thinking about certain types of change and, you know, am I proactively mitigating or managing the risks associated with those types of change? So um, you and I have known each other a long time. Uh, I have a bit of a career track record of moving from team to team, solution to solution, problem to problem. In order for me to be in the position to be appointed to those various roles that I've had over the years, the organization has to be comfortable. They can make that change and there's going to be people ready to step in from a succession perspective, et cetera. So, um, you know, it's always an important step for me as I'm looking at it to think about how do I make sure the team around me is ready for a change if I'm the person that's changing, mm -hmm. right? And so, mm -hmm. you know, thinking ahead, positioning the team well, you know, getting them, you know, comfortable with their own empowerment and self-sufficiency mm -hmm. so that the leader changes, Right. So, so it's that, you know, it's not necessarily using that particular example and only deal with that one, mm -hmm. but more that, you know, the second tip I, I would share is reflect on the types of change that could be happening at any point in time and have already done some of that pre thinking I talked in step one, but on a longer term direction, kind of what could happen. It's a risk management type mm -hmm. thought process, mm -hmm. but it's, it's applicable to change so that you're not surprised by mm -hmm. having to think it through for the first time when it happens, mm -hmm. but rather that you've kind of got this base set of generic thoughts around that type of situation that you know you're then going to be able to leverage when the moment happens. I love that. All right. Mm -hmm. So it's, I like that. A, I like the way it's a bit of proactive leadership, that, yeah. right? Mm 
Yeah, I like that. And by the way, um, uh, for number one, you came up with, I just said it, pause, understand, and digest. If you ever want to sell this, you can call it pug. There you go. <laughs> it's a great way to remember it. Step pug, one. wouldn't it? Step one, yeah, pug, yes. yeah. P-U-D. P-U-G, yeah. <laughs> I love it. So how do you manage change that you, or do you ever feel that you don't have control over change? But I, I shouldn't ask that because that's a yes or no, but... How do you manage change that you have no control over? I actually do. Now that I'm reading this, I think we always have some, there's something that we can't control, but, but the change itself specifically, how do you manage it and how do you move through it and even lead your teams when you actually have no control over it? Most of the change that we're um, asked to lead isn't, change that we are driving as the, as the initial, you know, the, the ultimate initiator of the change, you know, we're, we're typically reacting to something, mm-hmm. right. Um, so, you know, in, in our professional context, you know, the first thing is making sure you have trust in the leadership that's giving you direction. Right. Um, you know, and I think that's, you know, that, that I take as a given, given how long I've been in the roles I'm in, but, you know, so if you assume that you trust the source of the trigger of change, right, then it's about, you know, gaining the context and then, and then really um, hopefully you've spent time with your team to understand them, like, and you're going to understand how your team's going to potentially react to that type of change, mm-hmm. right? You talked about, you know, changes that are, you know, let's, let's say it's a reorganization type mm-hmm. of thing, right, just for fun. Um you're going to have a pretty good sense around how how it's going to impact the various members of your team, right? At the leadership level, at the execution level, right, et cetera. Um, and the you know, I would say the sooner you can help them connect those dots to help mm-hmm. them through their change life cycle and be comfortable, or at least understanding of what's changing, mm-hmm. I think the sooner they'll start to get on board, or or you know, if if it is a positive change. Mm-hmm or the sooner they'll start to engage with you around, um, you know, needing to work through whatever their circumstance is, if it's a change that is impactful to some members of the team. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, um, but don't, I, I wouldn't say don't generalize the change, mm-hmm. right. You, you've got to think about all change through the constituents. Everyone's diff- going to come at it with a different perspective. Right. Um, um, you know, the, the return to office, you know, um, um, type construct that we're in today, uh, as we start to come out of the pandemic is a change that is causing people to, you know, all reflect on it slightly differently. Some people really want to be back in the office. Other people want to be, you know, continue to be at home, but we have to put it, you know, we have to put the lens on, you know, what is the situation for each of those individuals, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, you know, as we went through the, you know, the last year or so, uh, you know, only now are we starting to see the full, I'll call it, ecosystem of society going to back to normal. So the schools are back in, the daycare centers are open, right? You know, so return to office plans that started a long time ago, in some cases, those infrastructures weren't in place yet, mm-hmm. Right. And so we had to be adaptive to recognizing when 
um, you know, parents needed to alternate who's at home in order to stay with the children because there was no daycare infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the schools were closed from a physical schooling perspective, so they had to be present to ensure someone could you know, oversee the virtual schooling mm-hmm. that was going on because there was no support infrastructure. So, um, you know, we have to recognize and gain understanding of the, the various um, uh, external influences that are going to potentially uh, underpin a particular individual's reaction to the change. Yeah. Right. And, and so as leaders, um, this is a big part of, of, you know, at least my approach to leadership, which is you need to understand the team and not just, I know your name and I know your name, but wherever possible, get to know them as humans, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And what is their context and how can you, um, you know, get to the right um, balance between what they need and what the organization needs, right? And there's tension there. There's always going to be some tension there. That's that's not something we can fully, right? It is an it is an employment relationship, you know, legal type relationship, right? Um, some organizations versus others have different levels of flexibility in those situations. So, you know, it's there's no one size fits all. You you have to look at the context that the change is occurring in at the individual level, at the organizational level at the you know, various levels of dynamics that are influencing uh, you know, how you're going to take people through that change. Yeah. Right. And so me as a leader, it's about understanding what are those various dynamics and what are the levers that I can control as a leader to help with those dynamics. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, um, you know, I, as a leader of the organization, you know, receiving the direction for that to help lead that change, mm-hmm. you know, need to figure out the best path to yeah. achieve that success in balance with those other um, dimensions of influence to the situation. Mm. I love it. I, and you know, I, I also love too about this interview and I'll have to try to see if I can summarize it is like, is I feel like we're building all these, like um, you're giving us these strategies, like this blueprint, right? Like confirm the change, you know, I, and then we have the pause, understand, digest, and don't be surprised by change. I think that's one of the most, that's, that's probably, I, I love that you mentioned that because it is so constant. And it's so funny. Somebody once said to me, um, the reason not to be surprised by change is by the time you are receiving the communication about the change, the system or the, or the group or the, whatever it is that created that change is already working on the next change. So the easiest thing to do is to embrace it, you know, you know, not be resistant to it. And then if anything, try to get yourself into the room where change is actually happening so that you can help influence the next change that's coming. Right. So I, um, I, I really loved when you said that about surprise when change and the other key one um, for all the listeners to grab if you didn't is about the generalization. I think that that's really awesome is that everyone does receive the change differently. And so it's so important to not generalize it. Those are really some really awesome mm-hmm. points that you mentioned. So now I want to talk about, oh, go ahead. Before you change the topic or the, the direction mm-hmm. of the topic, I think there's one other tip that we have to, we have to make sure that we do. And that is as you do go through significant change, mm-hmm. 
reflect on how you did as a leader in that situation. Run your own retrospective, so to speak, on how could I be better the next time I lead one of these changes or this type of change, whether it's a org announcement or a restructuring or a new product you're launching, right? Right. Mergers, acquisitions, whatever they happen to be, right? Always think back to how could I be better tomorrow than I was today? What what could I have done differently? Right. So that when you go through that, you know, that change cycle again in the future, you know, it's, you know, I talked at the very beginning about, you know, the 51 years of change experience, mm-hmm. harvesting your learnings from the last time you did it mm-hmm. will help you be better for the next mm-hmm. time. But it's a, it's an important point that we don't always talk about is to, to learn from the experience of the previous. I like that. Okay. So now what we haven't spoken about is motivation. How do you continually like continue push 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 forward and press forward when there is so much change happening? Whether it's personally, career, you know, how do you stay motivated? And what are some strategies that we can we can look to? I can't speak for others. I can only talk for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I thrive on change. I'm 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 not one of these people that can sit still for very long. Right? Uh, you know. I love to take a change and run with it and get it done and, and deliver it or make, see it through. But, um, you know, I mean, you know, if I get into that, I'll call it flat time when we're not really doing anything, mm-hmm. then I'm like, mm, I need something else. Mm-hmm. Right. And so for me, you know, most of the changes that I, you know, drive towards are things that are continuing to incrementally improve, mm-hmm. And whether it's the products we offer our customers or my education or, in my case, renovating my house because it's a perpetual ongoing change exercise that never ends because I finished Project A. Oh, well, I could do that over there. I need to change that door, right? And, um, you know, so I'm kind of naturally wired that way. Mm-hmm. For me, it's, 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 it's kind of the continuous improvement driver, mm-hmm. right? Other people are the exact opposite. They're like, you know, I'm going to live in this house for the next 100 years, and I don't want to move, and uh, I don't need to go somewhere else. I don't need to change jobs. I like my, like, so everybody's got their different motivations for change and why they run to Some people run towards change like me. Some people, you know, just give me the status quo. Mm -hmm. I want to do my job every day. I know how to do it this way. Why do we need to change it? And and there's nothing wrong with that. That's part of us all as individuals having our own different journey. Um, identity and, and journey that we're on. Right. And so, um, but for me, change is a constant and I, I kind of thrive. I kind of and, it come, and it comes to you. It just keeps coming. <laughs> it keeps coming. I don't know how many, how many times you, at least like if I think career wise, my gosh, every, every second, something new. And John Collinson is going to be taking <laughs> I love it. So many organizations are, we talked about the, the whole return to workplace. So we're just going to start to wrap up with this last question. Uh, many who are fully remote are trying to figure out whether or not to continue remotely or have a hybrid work environment. So how do organizations pivot and still maintain profitability while attracting excellent talent? Because there is a war. Well, there is, they say there's a war on talent. Um, and, uh, and so I think, you know, 
there's a world out there where where those that are being hired can ask what the workplace you know rules are and and uh, and what the hybrid work environment is so how do we stay competitive and attract great talent this one's difficult right because you have to look at the nature of every organization i don't think there's a one-size-fits-all answer to this question mm. right or a one size, so I'm going to put it in two contexts. I don't think there's a one size fits all answer to the question in the context of the organizations. And I don't think there's a one size fits all answer to this in the context of the people that, you know, the talent that you're talking about in this question. Um, so let me split it up. So in a, in a, ta- in an employer situation, um, you know, a, you got to look at the nature of the business. Some businesses are just, you know, not going to be remote, right? You just can't do the job remotely. It's the nature of whatever the work is, right? So if, you know, if we then narrow it down and say, okay, let's focus on knowledge workers, right, that could potentially be remote, right? Um, My caution to the talent in that situation is you really do need to find the right balance, right? I personally don't believe that 100% remote is achievable, right? And the reason for that is uh, not that you can't work significant amounts of time remotely, but there are certain types of important interactions from a development perspective, from a growth perspective, from a learning perspective, from a team dynamics perspective that just require human to human interaction. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I want to take the pandemic out of it for a minute. Like many of these organizations that are introducing whatever you call hybrid today, we're working in some form of a flex work model in the past. Mm -hmm. Right. And most of them were not working in a hundred percent remote model in the past. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so and my caution to people that believe that, you know, they want to truly embrace a hundred percent remote is you're probably not going to do yourself a favor in that thought process, because I think it's going to impede your, um, your professional growth, mm-hmm. right? That, you know, we can look at the last two years from the pandemic and, and, and just look at how much harder was it to have, informal coffee chats how hard, much harder was it to get to know you know just to have the dynamics of the team so if we go back to the initial part of this conversation around leaders trying to know their teams enough to be able to personalize the change experience how do i as a leader get to know my people in a 100 percent remote scenario you know, in those types of dynamics that you can't necessarily see if that person a never turns on their camera and or never engages, right? So, yeah, I'm a big believer that you got to create the right hybrid opportunities, but they have to have value, right? Mm. There needs to be value to you getting in your car or getting on the train or if you live remotely and getting on a plane and coming to the office for a week per quarter or something. Like, there's different models, but I don't think anyone you know, can truly sign up and say, I'm going to be hundred percent remote. There's going to be those times of the year, maybe five days a year, might be five weeks a year. might be some people come two or three days a week. Like it's, you got to personalize it to the, the role, mm-hmm. the situation, how well do you know the leaders, mm-hmm. right? I know people that have taken remote roles where they live in a different city mm-hmm. and they work for an organization mm-hmm. 
that even in those situations where their primary office is going to be Vancouver, but their employer is in Toronto, they're still getting, you know, pre-pandemic, they were still getting on a plane when they first joined the organization, and they might spend three weeks in Toronto or three months in Toronto building relationship, yeah. building community, mm-hmm. right? Because without that, you can't, the, the, the power of relationships is key. And as we get into more and more knowledge workers working and, and organizations, frankly, we're recognizing the importance of working in teams, right? You know, those that have embraced agile, you know, the concept of, of pods or, um, you know, scrum teams, you know, it's very difficult for a scrum team or a pod to be successful if the dynamics of the team aren't well understood. And that's hard to accomplish if everybody's virtual and they mm-hmm. can't build relationship and build, build community, right? So, you know, as, as we lead change, and we, we think about how can the change related to uh, return to office work, I think hybrid is the only answer, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, yes, you could go full workforce, but I don't think that gives you effective use of, of talent or time, mm. right? Because frankly, there are going to still be times when you just need to sit at a keyboard and do work. Yeah, I don't need to get in a car and spend two hours commuting in each direction to do uh, screen time mm-hmm. type work, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But on those days when you are getting in a car, focus on making sure you're maximizing the value on those days oh, yeah. around human to human interactions and collaboration. And if that means you don't read your emails today, mm-hmm. because you're focused on the value you get out of that, that eight hours of being in the office mm-hmm. or at some third party site to come together as a team, I think that's the right answer. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, and then on the talent side, right? I think you have to look at where you're on a journey, right? Early talent people, you know, if you and I look back in our careers, how much did you learn through osmosis of just being beside somebody while they did work? Yeah, right. A lot. And hearing the over the cubicle conversation around how somebody's dealing with a situation, you weren't even in the moment. You were, an, you were a spectator to the moment, right? But you know those people that are just running and going, I can do this entirely virtually. I think it's going to impede your development as a professional. If you don't create the right balance of getting those experiences to be actually mm-hmm. able to be that spectator to others, right. You know, more senior to you, peers to you, not even on your team, but you hear them mm-hmm. having the chat down the hall, mm-hmm. right. Or, or attending, you know, in-person events to get learning, whatever they happen to be. Right. I know it feels ideal to be able to sit in home all day and work it from your house and not have to go to the office. And that makes it more convenient for parents or people supporting elders or, you know, people that may be struggling to find a way to get to commute because the commute's too long, but you have to look at it as I'm making that investment for you into your talent and professional development. Mm-hmm. Again, it's tied to value. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you, you got to hit the value yeah. to be able to do that. And I think the tie to Valley is really important. And I'll tell you um, something that I, that, um, that I realized I was doing and you just really correct, like confirmed for me that it, it is, it is still me being productive. I was actually thinking that I was at the beginning, especially, you know, you're not seeing any, you haven't seen anyone for a long time. You get into the office, you're now seeing people. Next thing you know, you're having conversations. You're not doing your email. You're not, you know, I was, I was looking at some of those days as being non-productive. 
but I do in, in, in listening to you and hearing you, there was value in the connections that I was, you know, I had in, in, in on those days to form. Right. And, and yeah. then the next day, if I'm not going in, I can then focus on doing sort of the, the email work. Right. So I, I do like that. I, I definitely like the, the use of the word value and, um, and to look at this from a, from a value perspective, it's uh that's great. It's awesome. I like that. And guess what? What? We're on to our last question. All right. <laughs> and so, as always, call to actions are so important. Our last, uh, especially our first uh, first one, um, some of the feedback I got is like, I know what to do now. Um, when one person on LinkedIn told me, I said, I have, some, I have some action to take away from that episode. And so what's your call to action to our listeners as we think about you know, adapting, being adaptable to change, growing the skills as a leader, um, especially for emerging leaders and, and early talent? Uh, I think the first call to action goes back you know, to the early part of this conversation, right? You know, reflect on how you as a leader are comfortable with change, right? Because you have to be, you know, you're, you're going to be the first one to digest something, right? Uh, so, you know, having your own self-awareness around change is important, to, um, to, to put yourself in the best position to then lead, right? Uh, second call to action is, uh, you know, understand your team, right? And, you know, that skill won't just help you from a change perspective. That'll help you with all sorts of other dynamics of leadership. You know, the more that you can have quality, you know, relationship, and it doesn't have to be, you know, you know your best friends type relationship, but understanding the dynamics of the people on your team and, and what motivates them, what drives them, what will have a, cause of concern for them, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to the level of detail that's possible. And it's not always possible. The larger the team, the harder it's going to get. So you need to trust that the leaders that report to you in your structure are going to do that with the people that report to them and, and trust that. But, you know, investing in, in understanding of the people so that you can support the right thought process is important. Um, and, and then I think that the final call to action is, yeah. And personally, I, I don't think you should be afraid of change, right? If we all saw shop, stop change, right? Look at all the good things that have happened in the last hundred years, mm. right? You know, there's been so much change in the last hundred years. If we went back and said, we're going to reset the world to 1922, right? I think we'd all look back and go, that's a bad idea. There's mm-hmm. lots of change that happened in there that was positive. Not everybody was comfortable with it. We had to take people through it whether it was professionally or socially or politically or whatever. Right. But if we just said stop all change and leave the world as the static as it is to, you know, that we're not, we're not going to continue to do what humans have done for mm-hmm. thousands of years, which is the evolution of our maturity as a race. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, we all have things we support and things that we are frustrated by and where we sit as humans today but reflect on where we were a hundred years ago or a thousand years ago and go, yeah, change is tough, yeah. but it's what makes us better. Yeah. Ooh, change is tough, but it's what makes us better. Oh my gosh. That's the quote. That's the quote for this episode. Change is there tough, but it's what makes us better. I love it. <laughs> that is so perfect. I love it. And there you have it. Thank you so much, John. Adapting to change is an important leadership skill, and I trust everyone got some really great strategies, tactics that you can take. And uh, stay tuned. We have one more episode in this series coming up. Don't miss it. Thank you, John.
Thanks and catch you. So there you have it. I hope you are thriving and feeling empowered and thoroughly enjoyed this episode. And remember, whatever platform you're listening to this on, please subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast with someone else that you think can benefit from the tips that were delivered. As Tom Bilyeu says, when we help others think in a way that is empowering, that is the lead domino to create real change in this world. It's been awesome sharing energy with you. It's your girl, and I'm out.